Hi, good morning. It's uh, good to see you live this morning. I've uh, checked out there are, are 60 uh, screens booked in, uh, logged on this morning. So we're looking at about 70, 75 uh, people who are tuned into our Sunday morning gathering here at Basingstoke Baptist Church. It's good to see you all and uh, know that actually we're interacting live. So if I wave, you can wave back and I can see that you're, ah, oh, praise God, that's wonderful. <laughs> Glory, hallelujah. Woo! Um, here there are uh, Robin and Jill and uh, Rachel. We've got uh, David, Sally and uh, Noel. So this is um, the second largest congregation that I've had um, since uh, the beginning of March. The last... The biggest one I've had so far, of course, was uh, a wedding only a couple of weeks ago for uh, Naomi and Ben. And then it just felt like revival, because usually in this place, it's just me all on my own. But uh, it's great having a few people here and knowing that you're watching live as well. We're just going to uh, finish up this sort of mini-series that we started looking at the book of Proverbs. And I want to uh, draw things to a close with a a scripture that actually is usually um, used at a a wedding service. And uh, it's found in Proverbs chapter 18. And it says this, it says in Proverbs 18 verse 22, He who finds a wife finds what is good and receives favor from the Lord. So those of us here who are at this moment in time uh, recognizing that uh, we are married, if you're a man and you're married and uh, you're with your wife, you need to just turn to her and say, you are a good thing. Because that's what the Word of God says. You have found something that is good and your wife is good. So I can see my wife on the screen and I can say, it's good, honey. We're good. (laughs) But I I just wanted to uh, reflect back a few moments, actually, because a couple of weeks back, I was uh, called out to do uh, one of the blood runs. I ride a motorcycle for the blood uh, runners or the blood bank, and I find myself on Sunday nights into Monday mornings and on Monday nights into Tuesday mornings on call. And uh, it was one of those uh, nights. It was a Sunday night going into Monday And I'd received a call to um, pick up some blood and run it across to the uh, Queen Alexander Hospital in uh, Portsmouth. And I'm heading down, it's, uh, it's late at night, and uh, I've come to know the M3 beautifully. I, I know every single uh, pothole on the M3, and I'm flying down the M3 late at night, there's hardly anybody about, and the fog starts to come in. And it's one of those things, I think it's one of the scary things. If people talk to me about driving, and I I mean I've been driving for several years now, and um, when I talk about things that make you frightened or cause you unease, I, I really don't like driving at night and in heavy rain. So that's one of the things I, I don't like. And, uh, but the one that would top it right off would be driving in fog. Well, that's what I found myself on a Sunday evening. I'm driving down towards uh, Southampton, and I'm going to veer off along the M27 and head towards Portsmouth. But as I'm getting close, then there is a diversion. So we can't stay on the motorway any longer. I've got to go off on side roads. The sat-nav will take me to the hospital. That's not a problem. But I'm now driving, and it is so foggy, I cannot see any more than about half a dozen of those cat's eyes on the road. 
And everywhere around me, I couldn't see houses to my left or right. I couldn't see anything behind through my mirrors, and I could hardly see anything ahead. And I felt totally uh, immersed in this fog. And when I started to think about this message for today, those um, letters, F-O-G, come to mind. And that sense of being completely encapsulated or, or completely uh, inside something, like in, within this fog, not being able to see anything, is exactly the experience that we as children of God, as, as uh, Christians, should be acknowledging as friends of God. Let me read to you from uh, the book of John, chapter 15. It says, um, says this, this is Jesus speaking, he says, Greater love has no man than this, that he may lay down his life for his friends. And then he says in verse 14, you are my friends. You're a friend of God. So even in the midst of the fog, which was causing me distress as I'm trying to find my way to the hospital in Portsmouth, I have this confidence that I am a friend of of God, just as you are a friend of God if you have a relationship with him. And this is what's picked up in the next part of Proverbs 18. We read those words from verse 22. He who finds a wife finds what is good, so we recognize that, and receives favor from the Lord. So our marriages are a favor from the Lord. It talks about a poor man who pleads for mercy, but a rich man answers harshly. We're moving on from that. In verse 24, it says this, A man who has friends must himself be friendly, but there is a friend who sticks closer than a brother. And when we talk about um, wisdom, and when we talk about um, discerning what's God's call over our lives as individuals and as a church, the most important thing that we can uh, be aware of is the fact that we are God's friends. And we're in a relationship with him, and therefore our journeying isn't a journey of solitude, but it's a journey of community. We are in communion with God. And as we walk with him, as we listen to him, as we seek his leading and his guiding, that's where we find ourselves going the right way and about his purposes. So the proverb writer says this, it says, a man uh, who has friends must himself be friendly. Well, that's quite good, isn't it? I I certainly know that uh, if you're a friendly person, you end up with friends. I hope I'm friendly. I hope I come across as friendly. I've got limited friends, um, but uh, they're good ones. I've got people who I can call upon um, to help me out. We were doing some work on uh, Ben's car a little while ago before we sold his car, and uh, there was an MOT failure. Um, There were some parts that needed to be changing. I'm looking at the job. I've watched a couple of videos on YouTube, and then I decide I'll call Russell, because I just believe that Russell knows how to uh, do some things more mechanical than I. So you call upon a friend. He brought his wife Laura around and they had lunch with us and uh, Russ helped sort the car out to get it through its MOT, which it did. It passed its MOT the next day. So when you've got a friend, you want somebody who is able to do things that you can't probably do yourself. I've got a friend who, uh, when there's a water leak, I ring him up and Rob comes round and he sorts out water issues. I've got a friend who um, is able to help when there's electronic problems. We've got 
friends. And I hope in some way that I'm a friend to somebody else and that they would call upon me when they need some assistance. Most of the things that I get called in on uh, are spiritual, but I am able to use a spanner and I can do some things with my hands. And I'm very happy to shovel stuff and push stuff and help out in any way that I can. But there's the key here. It talks about this, that there is a friend who sticks closer than a brother. When we think about um, our relationship with God, when we think about how we are going to uh, find ourselves encapsulated in, in God's wisdom, that's when we lean in on our friend who is closer than a brother. And that's leaning in on God. There's just a few scriptures I want to read to you this morning just to highlight how close our God is to us. It says this in Deuteronomy 1.30. It says, The Lord your God, who is going before you, will fight for you as he did you in Egypt before your very eyes. So this, the God that we have a relationship, the, the one who um, is closer than a brother, is one who, who goes before us. I, I always find it helpful when I'm working with somebody who's done what I'm doing before that can help me in doing it myself. And what we have is, is a God who says that uh, everywhere you go, the journey that you are on, you're not going to go there as if you were doing it for the first time. You're not a pioneer in that sense because I have gone before you. I remember many times praying about uh, mission opportunities and talking about, you know, Lord, we want to see uh, your very presence in that place. We want to see your kingdom come. And uh, we almost sort of build it up as if we are the ones who are going there and, and we're going to be doing the stuff. But actually, our God has gone before us. He is ahead of us. The one who is closer than a brother has got there first. Whatever we are facing at this moment, the way out is a way out in relationship with him because he has gone before us. Isaiah 52 verse 12 says this. It says, but you will not leave in haste or go in flight for the Lord will go before you. The Lord God of Israel will be your rear guard. So this friend who is closer than a brother not only goes ahead of us, but he also comes behind us. I don't know if you've ever heard the, the phrase of being stabbed in the back. It's not something that we would want to get involved in. It's a, a not a pleasant thing when somebody says something behind your back that undermines you or causes people to think of you uh, differently than you actually are. But this is what the Bible tells us about our friend who is closer than a brother. He not only goes ahead us but he also covers our backs you might remember the uh, scriptures in Ephesians chapter 6 they talk about um, the armor of God and as you go through the armor of God you put on your head the the, the helmet of salvation you put a, a breastplate of righteousness you put a, a belt of truth around your waist you put the shoes of the gospel on your feet you've got the the sword of the spirit in your hand you've got the shield of faith you're ready but the one thing that is very we're very aware of that is not been covered is your back and therefore it's good to remember that our friend who sticks closer than a brother he covers our back. He is behind us. And so often he sorts out issues as well that we've left in our wake. When I've made mistakes, when I've messed things up and I'm leaving behind, a, a, you know, absolute devastations maybe at times, I have a God who 
enables me and empowers me to help put those things back together again. He goes before us, he comes behind us. Psalm 18 reminds us this, that uh, he reaches down from on high. Psalm 18 verse 16, he reached down from on high, took hold of me, he drew me out of deep waters. So not only is he ahead, not only is he behind, but he's also above us. Our God is above us. We know that he is seated in heaven. We know that he's ruling and reigning, but he's also over us and protecting us. The other thing that I find out when I think about God above us is the fact that he is over our minds. And uh, Paul writes in Romans chapter 12 that uh, we are to no longer conform to the patterns of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of our minds. And that's exactly what's going on here. I believe that the the God who is above us and protecting us from anything that comes in, the fiery darts of the enemy, but he also protects our minds. And when we're seeking wisdom, Lord, how are we to live and how are we to walk out in this current situation? He will give us the wisdom. That's what the leaders prayed for this morning. The deacons all got together this morning. We spent an hour, well, it was over an hour together praying today. But one of the things that we were praying for was wisdom. Lord, would you give us minds that are attuned to your leading, your guiding, and your spirit? So he's before us, he's behind us, he's over us. Deuteronomy 33, 27 says this. It says, our eternal God is our refuge and underneath are his everlasting arms. So he's, he's ahead of us, he's behind us, he's above us, but his everlasting arms are underneath us. Do you know, God never gets bored of holding on to you, upholding you. Whatever you're going through, he is always there. I don't know if you've ever done things in the past where um, you've had to hold something up and eventually you start to get tired and your arm aches and there comes a point in time where you've moved and you've changed arms and you've changed arms and you said, actually, at this point, I can't hold on any longer. And uh, if you're just doing a DIY job, that can be okay. If you're actually holding somebody up at an important juncture and you've got their life in your hands, then it's really important to be able to hold on. But the truth of the scripture here is that God's everlasting arms, I love that, everlasting. That means they're not going to get tired. They're not going to get weary. Our God, who is closer uh, as a friend than a brother, his arms are under us and holding us and keeping us secure. We need to know that, that we are safe in his arms. Whatever we're going through, whatever challenges we are facing, his arms are underneath us. You know, there's that promise, I'll catch you. I don't know if you've ever done this with your own kids. If you've had kids, then you're playing the games and they're going to jump off the sofa or jump off the bed or jump off a wall. And, you know, standing on the edge, teetering. Am I going to do it? And you just say something along the lines, it's okay, I'll catch you. And they trust you. And we need to trust God that he will hold us. He will catch us. He will not let us down. The proverb writer reminds us that there is a friend who is closer, sticks closer than a brother. It's the one who goes before us, the one who comes behind us, the one who overshadows us, the one who is underneath us. And then the psalmist writes in Psalm 125, as the mountains surround Jerusalem, so the Lord surrounds his people. We're surrounded, but but not in the sense like 
I have the, that picture of the old uh, Western films and uh, the, uh, the, uh, the, the stage coaches or whatever, they, they all get in a circle and uh, they're defending themselves because the, uh, the Native Americans are attacking them. And there's that sense, isn't there, that we are surrounded. The enemy is encroaching and we are surrounded and we are panicking. Well, this is not the situation that we find ourselves in with our God. He surrounds us and protects us. When we think of what is going on in the world at this moment in time, as devastating as it is and as awful as it is, it's not as bad as it could be. Because I believe God is at work. He is surrounding his people. He is protecting his people. He is helping us to come through this and go on to a better place. So the scripture from Proverbs, there is one, a friend, who sticks closer than a brother. There's this invitation, are you a friend of God? Fog. When you find yourself in the fog, you recognize that you are surrounded, completely surrounded. You can't see anything, but you can see the fog. And as friends of God, are we seeing God at this moment in time? Do we recognize the one who goes ahead of us, the one who covers our back, the one who uh, is surrounding us and overshadows us and whose everlasting arms are beneath us? I want to encourage us as a church as we walk into this coming week, recognizing that uh, God invites us to be his friends. And as we seek wisdom as a church, as we move forward and uh, see God's plans and purposes work out. Let's do it from a place of friendship. We are in a relationship with God and our friendship is something that uh, God wants us to nurture, that we would spend time in his presence, that we would enjoy his company and also enjoy each other. But then that just leads us to a last question, doesn't it? How do I become a friend of God. How do I find myself in that place where I can say that I am God's friend? Well, it's very simple. It's very simple. The first thing you need to do is believe. The Bible says in uh, John chapter 3, verse 16, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whosoever believes in him will not perish. Do you believe in God? If you are a believer, if you believe in God, you are on the journey. The second part of it that we see in Scripture says this, that if you are believing in God, well, even the enemy believes in God. The next thing that we need to do is, is to repent, recognize that our way of living is not honoring God, and we need to turn around and go another way. And repentance is just that. It's saying, Lord, my lifestyle is not honoring you. I'm going to turn around and go your way. I need to believe. I need to repent the other thing that we need to do is to confess. The Bible says that we should confess our sins to one another. The proverb writer actually puts it like this. He says this. He says, he who conceals his sins does not prosper, but whoever confesses and renounces finds mercy. That's Proverbs 28 verse 13. So let's make sure that there's nothing holding us back. We're not hiding anything. And as brothers and sisters in Christ, we stand together recognizing that as we support one another in our family journey we will see God's blessing so we have found ourselves believing we've repented we've confessed and then the last step of the journey is the fact that uh, we would be baptized have you been baptized have you followed through the waters of baptism 
acknowledging that you are no longer uh, the same as you were. You are not what you were. And you go through the waters of baptism. The scripture says, believe and be baptized. Have you been baptized? Even in the midst of COVID time, we are allowed to baptize people. Wouldn't it be wonderful that we could do a baptism service here? Have you made that step of faith? Have you stepped into a relationship with God? Can you say that you are a friend of God? And if you can, have you followed through? And have you been baptized? This is really important. I believe that for us to come to a place of uh, walking in the wisdom that God has called us to walk into, it's important that we know that we have a friend who is closer than a brother. Let me lead you in prayer. Let's pray. God, we want to thank you this morning that you are for us, that you call us into your family, that you reveal to us those things of wisdom that we need to know. We thank you, Lord, that you do go before us, you come behind us, you overshadow us, you underpin us, and you surround us. Help us, Lord, as uh, brothers and sisters in Christ to walk out in our relationship with you as your family, to see your kingdom come in this place and even to the ends of the earth. And I want to pray for anyone who here this morning recognizes they're not your friend. As they take that step of faith, believing in you, repenting of the lifestyle that is uh, going against your best, confessing that you are Lord and desiring to come through the waters of baptism. Lord, would you be with those this morning who are making that stand? And Lord, as members of your glorious family, would you continue to pour out your blessing in Jesus' precious name? Amen.